0: Welcome to the Umpiring Fast Pitch Softball Podcast. I'm David and I'm Pete and today we're going to talk about part two of our plate mechanics from the
1: 2023 USA Umpire Manual. So we'll start today with uh, movement from the plate and this is on page 51. It's uh, section B movement from the plate in slow pitch and fast pitch. We're going to concentrate of course on fast pitch so uh, our item number one a good plate umpire realizes that they are not only required to call balls and strikes but must be able to move to cover other responsibilities the plate umpire must be ready and able to move during the game let's examine the reasons for movement and the proper movement from the plate before we even get to there that's one of the ones you know
0: i've heard it i know you heard it early in your career one of the things that new umpires have a problem with is that movement from the plate you know you i don't how someone phrased it, basically there's a rope tied around your waist anchoring you to the plate or something. Some yep. people seem to be afraid to move more than
1: three or four feet from the plate and that's just not good on iron. Yeah, it was Linda. Linda told me you have a three foot rope tied to your butt and you're not moving from the plate. <laughs> you're not you're not allowing yourself to move from there. So uh, that was early in my career. So uh, very quickly you learn that there's almost always somewhere to be and we'll we'll get to those things in the different situations and, and whatnot. But Even in our our time today together, we're going to talk about some of those reasons to move. And the first one is on a a ball that eludes the catcher, whether it be a pass ball, a fly ball behind the catcher, or a drop third strike, the plate umpire should be ready to move to clear the catcher. That's, I think, the most important thing. If I were to highlight it, move to clear the catcher. Uh, Another bad habit that I got into was on like a high pop foul ball. I look up to see where the ball is. Yeah. And that is not where you need to be looking. In fact, the the manual even says that umpire movement is based on reading the shoulders of the catcher. Yes. So as soon as the ball is trouble for the catcher, watch the catcher and, yeah. and so, figure out where you're And go. so
0: what does that mean? Effectively, you're already behind the catcher. So if she turns where her left shoulder moves back towards the fence, right shoulder towards the pitcher's plate, then you should shift so your left shoulder goes back to the fence. You're just mirroring her, following her movement and that way, if you do that, you're never going to be in her way. If she were to spin 180 degrees, you would be 180 degrees.
1: So perfect, perfect movement in sync. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny too, but they can, they can get you because they'll look up. Yeah. They'll start to go to the right and look up and see the ball and then immediately go to the left. And you're like, uh-oh, I'm yeah. about to get trucked. So yep. you got you to be quick and nimble. So it actually does say, number two, um, on either the right or left-handed batter, the umpire will pivot and drop step to allow the catcher to take, her to take you to the ball. And third, uh, after the umpire has cleared the catcher, move to the next area of responsibility. So the catch, trailing the batter runner, maybe there's a play at third or the plate. And uh, this is an important one, even on where it says the catch, as an example. You want to be looking, very cognizant of the fence. So if we have a high foul fly ball and the catcher's going back to try to catch that, you need to get yourself back there so that you can really watch that ball and see if it touches the fence before she actually makes the catch.
0: Yep. And that's a tough one. So sometimes you'll sit there and you'll be like, oh, I can see it three feet away. I can certainly see if she catched it or caught it or dropped it. But that's not all you're looking for, as you said. When the ball came down close to the fence, did it scrape the fence on the way down, in which case, you know, dead ball, foul ball? Or or is it, um, or did it just come down and she got her, maybe the sound you heard was her glove, you know, wedging in there and now it's against the fence and it hit all glove on the way down, in which case, out, you know. So you, but you can only see that. You can know, sound is not going to help you. In that type of a thing. You need to be standing near her, next to her,
1: close to her. You know. Yeah, at least on plane yeah. with the fence so that you can see yep. that uh, left, right, and see if it's touching the fence. So the next piece of movement, uh, so a little lowercase b, on a batted ball with no runners on base or a single runner at first base, the plate umpire should always exit to the left of the catcher to trail the batter runner unless the play takes you elsewhere. So batted ball with no runners on base or a single runner at first base, the plate umpire should trail on a, and it does say on a batted ball. Yeah. yeah. So it, just about it. It did not specify in this, in this part of the manual, it's not it didn't saying, say ground ball or infield ball. Yeah, exactly. So base hit to the infield, ground ball, to the outfield, fly ball, to the outfield. So there's a little bit here, you know, if it's a fly ball to the outfield and your partner doesn't chase, Uh, It's a little bit different mechanic there. But uh, I think that what they're really trying to get across, though, is that you're not going to be just standing at the point of the plate and (laughs) and watching what's happening there.
0: Right. And that's and this is the one that I know I struggle with sometimes. Sometimes the girls are so fast and stuff happens so quickly. You know, they want you to get a good when you're when you're trailing to first base. They want you to get a third of the way down there before you move to other responsibilities. And sometimes it is really hard to get a third of the way there. Yeah, they're they're fast, aren't they? Yeah, and, cle- and clearing the catcher, and getting
1: around, and getting up there. Yeah, get, they've got a four foot head start already yeah. on you, and, and you then, got to, you got to hustle. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, that's what it says. So why would we trail? What do you what do you think? Uh, people, it says in the manual here, but just let's just talk a little bit about what I'm looking for. Why do I trail? Why would the, the plate umpire trail the, the batter runner?
0: Yeah. So the you know base? the so uh, one here says trail the batter runner slightly inside the foul line, no more than a third of the way to first to help the base umpire with a pulled foot, swipe tag, or a bobbled ball. I think you could also, depending on where the play's at, also help them see running lane a little better and some of those things as well. But any anything that's going to help you see the play from that angle, up up and down the base, is going to help. Like you're saying, a swipe tag, that's that's just nearness. You know, if, if a soft ground ball is hit and the pitcher comes running in and swipes at the runner who contorts her body to miss, the base umpire, who's now outside of first base, you know, trying to get 90 degree from the throw, no more than 45 out, you know, they're sitting there. They can't see that swipe. All they see is probably mostly the pitcher, and they see her wave her arm. So getting in position, getting near, those kind of plays help. Uh, Like you said, the pulled foot, that's what you should be looking at. Hardcore, if the ground ball to the shortstop, throw over to first. You know, the base umpire is watching for the timing of the bang-bang, and you're looking for, you know, how is the first baseman's foot, any possible obstruction there. Uh, as well, maybe in those in the tangled up situation, especially when safety bags are involved, if people aren't using the
1: right bag and stuff like that. Right, Okay, I love it. So then after trailing the batter runner to first base, you should move to the holding zone unless a runner approaches second base and your movement is to third base, so. Yeah, so I'm as, assuming holding zone was defined
0: maybe earlier in the umpire manual, because it does not define it here, so maybe we should take a second and define the holding zone here.
1: Sure, um, so my and I'll use the one that, that is just going to come out of my brain without looking one up in the in the book. It is the area in foul territory between home plate and third base. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not a specific spot on the on the diamond, but it is an area in foul territory between home plate and third base. And the reason that we don't define a spot, I think, or the reason that they don't define a spot, is that um, the situation would can actually drive you to a place maybe a little closer to third base. Uh, so with that runner at first already, my holding zone is probably going to be closer to third. That's more likely where the to play home. is going to be. Yeah, because it's possible that I'm going to have to get a play up there. Whereas if it's just a ground ball to the infield and nobody's on base, I've watched the batter runner. Uh, they did make a turn. Maybe there was a, you know, maybe a little bit of a, uh, they missed the ball. You mm-hmm. know, the first baseman missed the ball and it's gone over to the fence. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and move to the holding zone. But, you know, it's the first baseman that's actually on base, and she's probably not going to run another 120 right. feet on this little pass ball. So I probably won't move as far toward third base uh, in the holding zone in that instance. But that's, I think that's why it's an area between home and third uh, in foul territory. In the, uh, it's interesting, though, also in the NCAA mechanics manual, there are more than one holding zones. So one of them is actually in front of the pitcher's circle, which is interesting.
0: Okay.
1: So third, uh, when moving to third base, move directly across the diamond to a location 90 degrees to the path of the runner at a minimum depth of 10 to 12 I feet I think we skipped two. Base. We did? No, move to the holding zone. Oh, no, we guess not. Yeah. Yep. Um, thanks, though. <laughs> but yeah, so when moving to third base, move directly across the diamond to a location 90 degrees to the path of the runner in uh, a minimum depth 10 to 12 feet from the base, a minimum depth... Of 10 to 12 feet so yeah in in this in the usa mechanics manual uh minimum depth of 10 to 12 feet is is what we're after so the reason the 90 degrees to the path of the runner is uh or i'm sorry the directly across the diamond is what i wanted to address so uh, move directly across the diamond so if as the runner approaches third if you're not in the holding zone so you let's say you've trailed and you actually made it a third of the way up Mm -hmm. and then you're like "Uh uh-oh there's going to be a play at third. Do not go out into the holding zone, move up third baseline, and then move in You know, to be yeah. 90 degrees to the, to the runner. Yeah, you don't have to stay in foul territory the whole time. Yeah, that's right. So you just cut yourself right across the diamond there, get to that spot that's 90 degrees from the bag, leading edge, 10 to 12 feet. And what's number four, say, Pete?
0: So it says, when moving to the holding zone, move directly to an area in foul ground about halfway to third to an area where
1: you have an unobstructed view of all four elements and read the play. Yeah, so I think most of the time that's what the whole purpose of the holding zone is is to be able to keep all of the elements of the play in front of you. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have almost the whole field in front of you, and since you have responsibilities to call safe outs at third and home, you need to get somewhere in the middle so that you can let the play take you to your your responsibility. Yep. All right. Um, Item C here. The plate umpire has fair or foul responsibility on ground balls near the foul line position yourself on the foul line. If the ball is foul, give the dead ball signal followed by a verbal call of foul or foul ball. If the ball is fair, point toward fair territory with the arm closest to fair ground. And it doesn't
0: say this, so maybe they're assuming because they didn't say we don't do what it doesn't say, but you don't say fair ball. Correct. You don't say anything. You just point and you
1: keep your mouth fermi la bouche. yes <laughs> and quiet for those of us that are barney fife and don't know those words
0: yeah so this is actually a lot of times when you have people i don't know if baseball has a different mechanic but there are a lot of umpires i work with during the high school season that do both and they are the ones that are more likely to say fair ball when they point so i don't know if that's normal oh, okay. for them or if that's just they would have done that anyway because you know they feel like they have to verbalize something but yeah i've seen people do that and the way it was always explained to me is when you say something, they may not be able to hear in the heat of the moment and people yelling, what did you say? You know, the fact that you made a noise and f- started with an F, fair, foul, start with the same F sound. Maybe you could, they thought you called it fair. And then so they or they thought you called it foul. So they stopped moving, but it's a fair ball whatever. So if you just right. don't say anything, it's a lot easier to just let people run around and then stop them and put them back and say no play happened than it is to stop it and then be like, oh umpire jeopardy or whatever else, where should I put them in case I screwed something up and what would they've gotten if I had not blah, blah, blah or whatever oh, yeah, do. Exactly. Or do I do anything or any the questions that you may have to, don't cause yourself problems,
1: right? Just point fair, shush and go get to your location. <laughs> yeah, go to, go to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So, uh, I, I want to talk just a wee little, little bit about this. Uh, it does say to, uh, I want to get the words exactly right. Um, uh, it says, position yourself on the foul line. Yeah, And so there's a couple of things to, to talk about there. If, if we're talking about a long fly ball to the outfield mm-hmm. um, you should get on the foul line and get as close to the outfield as you can, assuming your partner doesn't chase. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll always go with that assumption. So it's the, you've got the you've got the catch, you got fair foul and the catch uh, because your partner didn't chase. So that's on the foul line and as far out as you can get. If we have a bunt with a runner at third and the ball goes down the third base line, I'm not getting on the foul line. I'm getting on third base line extended but in foul territory. Right? So over toward the first base dugout. Mm-hmm. Right? I need to get out of the way. And then once I call that fair ball or foul. So if I call foul ball it doesn't matter, but once I call it, once I see that ball is fair and I indicate fair, I'm immediately moving to the wedge so that I can see the if as long as it's a, a tag play. I'm going to move to the wedge immediately so that I can see that tag play. Um, So I won't be on the foul line, but I'll be on third base foul line extended. Yeah. And in foul territory. And then, oh, we should talk about that a little bit. We are following USA mechanics uh, Mm -hmm. in our podcast today. And I just said I'm going to move to the wedge, which is not a USA mechanic. So the USA mechanic would be to move to the leading edge on a tag play at home. You're going to be in the left-handed batter's box to kind of the point, back left corner because that's going to set you at the leading edge of home plate so that you can see all four elements of the play in front of you. All right. Uh, Anything else about that one? No. Oh, closest to fair. That's kind of funny. I had a uh, friend. Oh, the arm, which arm to point with? Yeah, which arm to point with. So um, when you're on the third baseline and you're looking out toward the outfield, that would be your right hand is Mm -hmm. how we're going to indicate. If not, you'd have to come across your chest to indicate with your left hand. Yeah. And then same thing, on if you're on the first base side, it's going to be your left hand because that's the side that's on fair territory. Um, so I, w- I had a friend of mine, a very good umpire, had a lot going on with a spinning ball right in front of the plate was trying to figure out which which extended foul line to get on to try yeah. to figure out if the ball is fair or foul. Ended up kind of on the opposite one and pointed with the wrong hand. <laughs> you know. And this guy's been umpiring a very long time at, at pretty high levels, and uh, so we had a nice chuckle about that one. He tried to uh, he tried to play it off and said hey, there was a lot going on there. I was watching for interference. I was watching for obstruction. I was watching for you know, I'm watching this. I'm watching that. So you know, his uh, his comment was that a less experienced umpire might have missed all of that stuff. I said, well, yeah, and even some of our more experienced umpires might even point with the wrong hands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he appreciated that or not. All right, so next we have
0: on flyballs so D on flyballs to the outfield not near the foul line. So, fair foul is not a concern. Uh, move parallel to the flight of the ball to obtain a good angle to the catch versus straight at the fielder catching the ball. That's right. So, this of all, we're assuming fly ball hit to left center, right? There's no reason to put yourself on the foul line because that ball's no way good unless we get a gust from <laughs> yeah, you know, Kansas blowing it over. Uh, so, we're saying you want to move parallel to the flight of the ball uh, to obtain a good angle. Uh, and see versus straight at the fielder. Don't run
1: right at the fielder. They want you to see it from a little bit of a side view. Yep, exactly. There's an interesting one here. So number one says, if the ball is foul, give the dead ball signal, followed by a verbal call of foul or foul ball. If the ball is caught, give only an out signal. So it's nowhere near a foul line, but uh, we better make sure. Yeah, it is an odd. (laughs) But if the ball is caught, give an out signal um if the ball is fair and not caught no signal is needed no verbal call is given if the ball is caught give an out signal so i too many words here on a fly ball not near the foul line get out there parallel to it so you're not dead on it and you're looking at it with a little bit of an angle if she catches it signify out and and say it and if not there's no call needed yeah their point is if it's an obvious fair ball don't point fair that's right yep yep Uh, Next, on a fly ball to the outfield near the foul line, when your partner does not turn their back, so again, no chasing and, and no back turning, the plate umpire has fair or foul, catch or no catch responsibilities. When the ball is near the foul line with no runner at third base, so remember this, no runner at third, move up that foul line to a position where you can see the ball. When the ball is close to the foul line and is touched, whether caught or not, the umpire must first give the ball status by pointing fair or foul. That's an interesting one. I, I don't get that. So
0: right up, so I'm backing up, I'm scrolling up a little bit here and, and with my eyes, and it says, if the ball is fair and not caught, no signal. no if the ball's caught. It just says if the ball's fall, dead, dead ball, the ball's caught. Yeah, so it says here, if the ball's foul, right? so this is D1, uh, if the ball is foul, and then skip ahead. If the ball is caught, give only an out signal. But then down here, it says, when the fly ball to the outfield near the foul line, when the ball is close and is touched, whether caught or not, give the ball status. I understand not, but why would you give the... Right above, that seems a little contradictory. So it says, yeah. so if you I catch think- a fly ball in the foul territory, just call out, is what they said. And then here they're saying give a status with caught or not. I understand not,
1: right? Yep. Step one is down. So, so I think the key here is and I could be 100% wrong about this and the, the author of the manual might come after me uh, because you know I'm sure they're listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So but I believe that the even any conversation about fair foul in the one on a fly ball that's not near the foul line should have been omitted completely. Right. Uh, it's just added a bit of confusion. Um, the important thing to understand is that on a foul, on a fly ball that is near the foul line, that we do indicate whether it's fair or foul, caught or not, we indicate fair or foul, and then once it's caught, so we we point a little bit to say, yep, that one's fair, out because she caught it, right? Or um, that one was foul, out because she caught it. What what difference does that make to the game? Touched? Yeah. Where was it touched? Because she might not. When's when's the catch? Oh, finish?
0: just because she touched it, so we're doing this
1: as quickly as possible
0: because i get it i get it because yeah so this is this actually comes to advanced tag up mechanics but a lot of people think you can't run after you tag up on the base until the ball is caught that's not true it's touched that's correct. so it's so that the outfielder because theoretically if it was caught the outfielder could hit the ball to themselves and then bobble it like a hot potato as they run into the infield and then secure the ball that's the catch now you can't run because the girl's standing right next to you on third base so it's touched. So that kind of eliminates the ability to cheat. Um, so you're, what you're saying is, yeah, so it's touched. I don't know for sure she's going to secure the catch. So let me go ahead and indicate if people can run or not right. at, their own, at their own jeopardy.
1: You know, I think there's another piece too, Pete, if they uh, if they touch it in fair territory and it lands in foul territory. Yeah. That's the fair ball. Right. Yeah. So you're indicating in advance. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's why. Cool. Uh, so when it's touched over fair territory, point to fair, and if the ball is not caught, uh, strong. Ooh is not caught, whoa, hold on. We're going to read this in detail here again. When the ball is close to the foul line and is touched over fair territory, point fair. And if the ball is not caught, the point is followed by a strong fair ball signal. Signal,
0: yeah. So what okay. they're saying is, yeah, so the it comes close to the line. The plate umpires say it's right field. Played umpire gestures with his left hand, just kind of casually sticks his left hand out. And then when it's bobbled and lands, and maybe it lands in foul territory, you point like hard, you gesture. Strong, it's fair, play, play. it's
1: fair, it's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but without yelling, it's fair, right? Yeah, your arm should be yelling, It's fair, it's yeah. fair. So, I think mean, when you playing. read that and then you stopped and go back and read it, you saw strong, <laughs> fair ball. And I went, and Oh you no, you thought they were going to ver- verbalize. <laughs> I did, yeah, me too. Um, but then it gets so, then further it further says, If the ball's caught, give an out signal. So, yeah, I get that. So, it's like, Yep, I, I pointed, it's fair. Oh, she didn't catch it. That's definitely fair. That is, you know, really yeah. fair. So, um, hopefully, you could hear that <laughs> fair ball arm, yeah, you know, in a podcast here. So, Uh, Number three, Pete, what's that one say? When the ball is close to the foul line and first touched over
0: foul territory, point foul. And if the ball is not caught, give a strong dead ball signal and a strong verbal call of foul or foul ball. If the ball is caught, give an out signal. So this is actually the first time I think I've read to this point where it says touch over foul territory, point foul. I don't think I ever caught the fact that that was a mechanic to point foul. I thought the pointing only happened. Foul ball was always, you know, hands above the head, dead ball kind of signal versus point fair. This is saying, this is just for the indication. This is kind of in the section of the rule book we're talking about. When the ball is close to the foul line first touched over foul territory, just point foul. And then when it's
1: secured, then do your whole hands above the head, loud foul. Yeah, as far as I know, that only happens on a fly ball near the foul line. It's the only time you point fair. You know, I mean point foul. If the ball is near the line and lands in fair territory untouched, give a fair ball signal. Yeah. Very common. Uh, that, one's a, that one's an easy one. Even the baseball umpires get that. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, if the ball is near the line and lands in foul territory untouched, give a foul ball signal. Two in a row. Yep. Easy ones. So, uh, And then the last piece here uh, about just general movement for the plate umpires. When the ball is hit over the fence in fair territory, give a home run signal by raising the right arm above the head, fist closed, and rotate the fist. Number one is the plate umpire should hustle to achieve the best angle and distance based on the scenario to see the ball clear the fence. Plate umpire should assume a position to watch the runners touch home in foul territory so that they have all the action in front of them. So this is an important piece. This is USA Softball Mechanics. The plate umpire is to remain in foul territory. Yep. Now, often, Pete, you will see the the plate umpire move into the diamond. Yeah. Uh, watch the girl touch third, watch her run down the third base thing, maybe yell at the girls and tell them, hey, get in foul territory, back away from the plate, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, and then watch her touch the plate from, you know, the the middle of the diamond and then turn around and walk a ball to the pitcher. Um, you'll see that happen a lot in the mechanics manual. It very clearly says to assume a position to watch the runners touch home in foul territory so they have all the action in front of them. So. Yeah. Uh, number three is slow pitch. Number four, if the ball hits the ground before clearing the fence and then bounces over the fence, give the two bases award signal by raising the right arm above the head, hand open with two consecutive fingers extended and verbally call two bases. Yep. Ground double situation. That's how you call it. Perfect. All right, so the next section is movement to third, a little bit uh, smaller section here. Once the umpire has exited to the catcher's left, there are several situations where the umpire should move to third base. So probably one of the one of the things that most rookie umpires struggle with, I think when they first start out, is the idea of movement to third. You know, the plate umpire, it's not the it's not the third base and plate umpire, it's the plate umpire, you know. Right. Movement to third is probably the, the first thing that gets pointed out uh, if you're being evaluated. So first, after going to the holding zone and a play develops at third base, move inside the diamond about two-thirds of the way to third base to a minimum of 10 to 12 feet, read the play, and make the call. So this is always about a movement at third, so there's going to be a play. Yeah, and then it's at obtaining a 90-degree angle to the path
0: of the runner. Again, so that's a repeated section from earlier as well.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, And this is the first time in this piece where it says stop, read the play, and make the call. Stop, read the play, and make the call in that order.
0: Yep. Yeah, so again, don't be on the move. Get yourself to that distance and angle. Stop, look at it, see what
1: happened, read it. I'll add in appreciate, (laughs) replay if necessary, (laughs) and then make your call. And then make a call. Yeah, I like it. Uh, second, when exiting the catcher with a play immediately at third base, move up the foul line in fair territory to a minimum of 10 to 12 feet, obtaining a 90 degree angle with path the runner. Stop, read the play, and make the call. That was the same one. So, That's it? Um, first was if you were in the holding zone. Exactly. And then the second one, if there's a play immediately at oh, third immediately. base. Oh, immediately. Okay. Yep. I said those, those look like a repeat, but yes. Um, the third one is a slow pitch rule. Uh, so, it's just those two. So, yeah, play at third uh, from the holding zone and then an immediate play at third. Pretty simple stuff there. Um, Item three here, plays at home plate. Uh, There are specific mechanics used by the plate umpire when making calls at home plate. Uh, First, on throws from the outfield or the infield, assume a position in foul ground 90 degrees to the path of the runner to a minimum of 10 to 12 feet from home plate. In line with the outside deepest corner of the right handed batter's box. So, something we just mentioned. Yeah, we were just talking about that. This is
0: uh, the USA mechanic versus a wedge position.
1: Yep. Adjust as needed to obtain an unobstructed view of the play. So, there's my out when I get yelled at for using the wedge. I needed to adjust, I was being obstructed. Uh, if the ball gets away from the catcher and goes behind you, move as the play dictates and get an unobstructed view. Avoid going inside the diamond, except as a last resort. So USA wants you in foul territory mm-hmm. and out of the way. That's essentially. But make sure that you have an unobstructed view of the of the as many of the elements as you can get.
0: Yeah. And honestly, that position in the batter's box, uh, in the right-handed batter's box, as described gets you so you think what's likely to happen. The catcher is going to be standing um, you know, butt to the plate, so they're facing straight out, uh, either aiming towards left field, right field, center field, one of those ways. And then the play is going to come down and they're going to put a tag down. And if you're standing there, you're probably going to see all those elements right in front of you. However, where it starts to get shady is maybe if the throw is coming from the right. And so the catcher is and the throw is a little off target. So maybe up the third base side. So now the catcher's back is almost towards the third base dugout, right? It's get it's getting that way towards the third base dugout. And the, they're going to get it and they're going to turn around and like try to, to kind of drop knees and drop that tag down, which I'm indicating it and you can't see it. So hopefully I'm <laughs> yeah. describing it well. Uh, and so now if you're in that right hand batter's box position, you are blocked out. You can't see because the catcher's back is to you. The tag's not happening in front of you. It's happening obstructed by the catcher in front of you. So that's where if you had rotated some or done... know a different position depending on how the throw goes that's just one there are several occasions where um, maybe that wedge mechanic might be helpful would be as the you know as the throw comes in from a different way maybe it's coming from foul territory because you know somebody overthrew first or third say they overthrew third and so the
1: throw's coming in and you can't see see it that's that thing adjust to get that unobstructed view Uh, So B, under 3 here, this is on page 53 if you're following along. When returning to home plate from a play at third base, and the ball is in foul ground, remain inside the diamond and move parallel to the baseline to a minimum 10 to 12 feet from home plate, obtaining a 90-degree angle, path of the runner. It doesn't say it, but I'll say it. Stop, read the play, make the call.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so this is actually almost what I just described is, so they're saying here, so you're reading, returning to home from a play at third, so conceivably the girl did not get out, right? Because right. I don't think that there was a play at third and now you're super worried about the runner from second getting home, right? The ball's yeah, sitting a little, at third you base. You have a second. Yeah, and so what they're saying is this maybe a ball got away, either kicked around, went to the fence, overthrown, and so now you have to do something, right? And so now you're assuming the ball is, the ball is in foul ground, so probably an overthrow or a ball could have got away but not very far in foul ground. Um, and now they're moving inside the diamond. It's, there's, it's kind of prescribing that a better angle than what you might have got blocked out at if you were in yep. right-hand batter's box. Yeah,
1: exactly. Also follows the in and out type of thing, too, if it, mm-hmm. as a reminder the ball's in, in your head. be if, out. Yeah, if the ball is in, be out. If the ball is out, be in. So the ball is in foul territory, you're okay to stay in, since you're already in. Uh, see here, on a timing play when the runner touches the plate prior to the last out of the inning and the run will count, point to the plate emphatically and say run counts or run scores. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually do this. Count it. Yeah, <laughs> I actually do say. I say they run scores or score the yeah. run or some. I sometimes yeah, say some the version something of that. Like that. Yeah, not yeah, not the, not the. Hey, the the buzzer went off and the the, the free throw or the uh, yeah. you know, the three and pointer made the you know cut, that go yeah count it love it. Or the foul. I guess basketball umpires do that when you, or basketball referees do that when you get fouled. Right? Yeah. So count the bucket and we're yeah. going to go to the line. Okay, got it. Um, some of my good umpire friends, if they do listen to this, they do basketball too. And I can't, I'm going to catch it for <laughs> for sure. Uh, D, and, and final. Uh, on a timing play where the runner does not touch the plate before the last out of the inning is made and the run will not count, verbalize, run does not count. Or no run. Yeah. You also might want to take that opportunity then to go to the books and yes. just kind of make sure that uh, they understood that that run does not score, and then go ahead and check. Use that time to check and make sure that both books have the same have the same run score. That's uh, let's talk about that just for a quick second before we finish up here. And, and one of them is I don't I don't believe that's in the manual anywhere to keep track of the of the runs and make sure that the books are on the same same page. But I, I find that to be a good practice. Uh, especially if you're in a situation where you've got a lopsided game, mm-hmm. and the runs ahead rule is uh, possibly going to apply. So I think it's important to understand uh, what the what the score is, and that both teams have the same score, because they will uh, play the game differently sometimes if yep. they have if they are approaching that run ahead rule.
0: Yep, and that's uh, there is a section in the rule book I think that mentions that the umpire is the is to help arbitrate, basically, uh, scoring, score issues, things. That, and there was a, one of the Facebook groups actually brought that up. And people were asking, well, when would this happen? Because we don't officially have scorekeeper duties. And I my answer to the post was exactly what you said, is we can help resolve disputes. Sometimes it's in team A says they have nine runs. The other one says eight. And you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, last inning. Remember, I said the run doesn't count. And so that you have now resolved that by your knowledge of the rules and your remembers of the game, or helping them understand, you know, whatever, or just helping them sort it out. Your job is to just say, you two get together and sort this out. So you're you're kind of just playing facilitator there. Kind of that's your role. Uh, And as you mentioned, part of pre-pitch planning is knowing uh, game situations. So if you know the score, and it's eight to seven, and it's the bottom of the seventh, and the team batting obviously is behind because they're batting, you know, they might play for a run. You know, a squeeze is not out of the question, right? Whereas if it's fifteen to one, a squeeze is—it's not out of the question, but it's a very small, remote possibility, yeah. right? So you're not thinking squeeze; you're thinking, you know, big plays at a time. People may not even be taking extra bases at that point, depending on the coach's tendencies, what
1: you've noticed yeah, in the game stealing, so far, yeah, yeah all of that, all that yeah. kind
0: of stuff. So yeah, knowing that is important, and sometimes knowing the score
1: is a part of that. Sure. All right, Pete. I think that's what we have for today's yeah. episode.
0: Yep. Uh, I think we originally had talked, maybe mentioned even at the beginning of planning to get through. This movement in difficult situations, but uh, we've gone long a little bit, so we'll move difficult situations to the next time. And uh, until then. Thanks for listening. Thanks.